the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is Pastor Joe Sutton. Uh, Glad to be back with you again uh, as we now enter into uh, the real winter. Got spoiled last week, 40-degree temperatures, uh, just made you feel good, walk around with no coat on, and then the wind blows in, right? So no matter what it is, no matter what the day is, we give glory and honor to God, and we thank him for another day uh, to be upon this earth. And so as I was just uh, communing and talking to my children about some things, I was just noticing a, a comment that comes up a lot of times, especially uh, if you were doing work in an urban context where people tend not to have benefited from uh, prior generations, knowledge or wealth. Uh, And so when you look at uh, where they are, it seems like every generation just starts over and stays stuck in that loop cycle. And uh, and I'm always telling my people that, you know, that, uh, I mean, we're rich, you know, God has commanded us to this and, and, uh, you know, and they think that maybe money is for people from another hue or in another area. But, you know, they'll never get there. And uh, and I always try to get them to understand that God's promises are multi-generational. And uh, so just because he promised you something in this generation doesn't mean you may see it. He promised Abraham that he would have many, many children. Abraham didn't see it. But as it says in Hebrews chapter 11, some died yet not seeing the promise fulfilled. And what we have to do and understand is that we have to stand on God's word uh, and what he's going to bring to pass and prepare and prepare our young people to receive what God said that we will receive. And so it's been my push the last three years to uh, prepare my children for what God is going to do. You know what I mean? What what God has shown me. And, you know, as I told them, it's going to take three generations to come to pass. I said, to, I told my children, it'll be in your grandchildren that we really see the fruit of what we're doing. And what God has called this family to do. And uh, and we have to come out of that instant gratification mode thinking that, you know, we're going to get it now. You know, we have to have it now. But living in America, we're all rich. Man, we're living good. You know, I was reading a statistic said if you have $100, a roof over your head, and a car to drive. Might not be yours, but you've got a car to drive. You're in the top 10% in the world. And I'm like, wow. If that's a top 10 percent, then I must be I'm I'm up there with Getty and the boys. You know, what I mean, in comparison, you know, I may not be in the top one percent, but I mean, I'm definitely in the top five, you know, because most of us in America, even being poor in America is being, you know, upper middle class in most other countries, especially when you look at 
some of our uh, quote unquote third world brethren, you know, what they have to deal with and what it costs over there. You know, I look at uh, like for every dollar, there's 330 in Iowa, maybe 350 on black market. Uh, you know, every dollar you're looking at 130, 140 in Jamaica of their dollars. You know, I was in Jamaica uh, preaching and I was there. And after this, they went to the little church store and I got a bag of chips and a pop, a 20 ounce pop, right? Some of the local island pop was, I like to try different kinds. And I got the pop and she said, $125, man, I almost fainted. $125. And then, I, and then she said, Oh no, sorry. But $1 us. Oh, okay. Take two. You know, buy some other little kid a pop. You know what I mean? When they put it that way, but I thought $125 for a pop and a bag of chips. $60 for a mango. And I'm like, oh, man, you know. And then when you look at what they actually make, and it's like, oh, my goodness. You know, it's like, can you survive? I know at one time, I think my buddy told me like $60, $70 a month was minimum wage in in, uh, in Nigeria, you know, because uh, they only paid him, a, he probably got 100 $110 a month for pastoring, you know, to get that. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, I mean, we we're blessed in this nation. And we are rich. And starting from that premise, I was telling my children, when you start from the premise that you are rich, right? And so you're not sitting up here waiting for the promises to come to pass. You're here. But because we compare ourselves among ourselves, you know, we don't think that we're rich because, you know, we can find five, ten other people who have more than us and live better than us, bigger house than us, better cars than us. And we look at them and say, now that's rich, you know. That's what we want to be. But we're not looking at where we are, especially we don't have a worldwide concept of where we are in the world where our concept is just based upon, you know, what we see. You know, whereas when if I was seven hundred dollars a month, you know, I could live like a king, you know, outside of Lagos, seven hundred to put me, you know, lower middle class in, in Lagos. If I was in the big city of Lagos and uh, and so it's just a different realm, you know, to walk with. So when you talk about. Thirty, forty thousand dollars. It's like, man, it's just a whole nother world that's over there. So, with that, with that in turn, that we we are rich. We're in a prosperous nation. Uh, we waste more food uh, than we eat. You know, uh, you know, we got some people that don't eat leftovers. You know, they're telling the hot man, I don't eat leftovers. You know what I mean? You know, I just throw it away. You know what I mean? It's like, so you know, you got money when you don't eat leftovers, man. In my family, man, growing up, man, if it was a leftover. Yeah, you know I mean, you kept seeing it again and again until it was gone. You know, wasn't that variety? Or you know, we had chicken yesterday. Or we had this. Yeah, we had beans yesterday. You know, it was there. But then, the more prosperous we tend to become, then we can afford to be wasteful, right? We can afford to be wasteful. So I want to go to First Timothy chapter six, and I want to start in verse seventeen, and I want to read that to you and, and comment as we uh, travel along. Uh, give this command to those to those who are rich, right? So that's that's me and you. You know, what I mean, we're there. We know you probably driving in your car, listening to this thing. You know, you might be mad that you know as soon as you get paid, you broke. But you know, you got you got some money coming through. You know, you got you got that home or apartment or whatever you're renting to own. But you got a roof over your head, so you know we're rich, right? Give this command to those who are rich with the things of this world. Tell them not to be proud. Tell them to hope in God, not their money. Money cannot be trusted, but God takes care of us richly. He gives us everything to enjoy, right? So give this command to those who are rich. They are one, not to be proud, 
They're the hope in God, not their money. Trust in God and not their money. Because God's going to take care of us and he will give us everything to enjoy. You know, I, I get to enjoy some things that probably most people don't enjoy. You know, especially when it comes to my family. Uh, you know, I, we do this annual family retreat where we go the last two times we've been to Branson. Next time we'll go to Orlando and uh, we'll go there and we stay in, you know, we stay in timeshares and we, we have meetings and we eat together and we do everything together. And, you know, we were discussing what we're going to do as the family grows. You know what I mean? You know, it's barely room for 25 of us. And so it's 25 of us, you know, and you know, nine children and 12 grandchildren and then me and my wife and then my mother comes along. And uh, so they was like, oh, we, uh, we got to start planning for how we can get together when we have multiple families, when everybody starts getting married. And, and uh, we estimate we might end up with 30 grandchildren, but, hey, you know, bring them on. I don't really care. I don't buy them nothing, so they <laughs> all they get is advice out of grandpa on a good meal. But, uh, but you know, I said that we're the hope in God and not our money. You know, I mean, you know, the, the word also says, you know, store up your riches in heaven where moss and rust do not corrupt. And, you know, how we do we store up our things in heaven? And the next verse kind of gives us, it says, tell those who are rich to do good, to be rich in good works, and tell them they should be happy to give and ready to share. Tell those who are rich to do good or do good deeds, to be rich in good works, and tell them they should be happy to give and ready to share. So we who have abundance or who have are rich in the things of this world we are to be ready to share we're to be doing good deeds you know i asked my grandchildren i said if i gave all y'all 20 dollars right now what good deed would you do and they all looked around like you know and they immediately could tell me what they would buy at the toy store online or whatever but when i said what good deed can you do with the money they thought about it because uh, one of them was honest. I don't want to do good deeds. I want to spend it on me. And uh, I said, but, you know, it says those who are rich be ready to do good deeds. Right. And it said, you know, so, you know, you, you should be happy to give and to share what you have. Right. That, that's what we see in the book of Acts, that people just shared what they had in order that all needs could be met. You know, and those were the people with resources. I mean, the people without resources couldn't do it. But the ones with resource were happy to give and to share. And you go, and it, but you go back for it. it says, give this to man. Or it's another version says, teach rich people this. You know, in other words, if you don't teach people that the reason why they are in the abundance, the reason why they are rich in the things of this world is not for them just to spend it upon themselves and enjoy themselves and do everything like that. You know, and, and that's good because it said God gives us things for our enjoyment. But also, they need to be doing good deeds out there with their resources. They need to be ready to give and ready to share and to do good deeds with the resources that they have. And and, and that's all of us. All of us should be ready for that, right? Because we all fall in that category of rich. I mean, we can impact third world nations like nothing you can ever imagine. You know, I remember when we first, you know, took up a little offering and we do a rummer sale every year and 350 to $400 we make. But that 350 to $400 allows uh, an elementary school in a, in, a, in a town in Nigeria to offer free education to kids. Because usually you got to pay a dollar quarter a week, right? A dollar quarter a week, you know, to, to go to school. And then the money we send and, and other monies we send is like, 
it keeps the school going. And, you know, we bought the school, the land, and built the brick outlay for $700. Then it cost us another $200 to put a roof on it. And, uh, and you know, it's still there, still functional. We bought a swing set. I mean, we did that. I mean, $700 was nothing for, for you know, our congregation to come up with. You know, and it's like, you know, to do that same thing in America would cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy land and build a school, you know, from scratch on this side. So even though our money may not have that much impact here, there are places where our little $300, $400, $500 can have a great, great impact. And so sometimes because we don't know, we don't make that effort to know, then we find that that we think that we don't have enough money to do anything. So therefore, we don't do anything. Let's look at verse 19. By doing this, they will be saving up a treasure for themselves. That treasure will be a strong foundation on which their future life will be built. They will be able to have the life that is true life. So by giving and sharing and doing good deeds, you're building a strong foundation for your future. You're you're building a strong foundation for your seed or for generations. You know, I like how David Mitchell says it on, on, uh, on the trade we broadcast. Uh, he just says that somewhere in the family, somebody has made the decision to buckle down and build a foundation for the rest of their generations economically, either by starting a small business, saving and uh, letting their kids invest. You know, I've I just been a, 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 a studier of different families and the, the generational effect. Uh, studies say that anybody can come rich, but you're not considered wealthy until you can keep the money in your family for three or four generations. See, because not only do you, did you have to get the money, but now you have to put up Paul and say, teach others to teach. You got to teach them what they're to do with the resources they have. If not, they'll go off and build another foundation and it won't even be there. So that's why we get together once a year and I, and I teach them on how, you know, they ought to build upon the foundation that me and my wife left. You know, we're starting the Sutton Heritage Foundation, which will be a foundation that will support urban ministry all over the world. It's all over the world because me and my wife being givers and we give and we love urban ministry. We want to set up a foundation that will support urban ministry, you know. And so, you know, we'll start fundraising for that foundation uh, maybe next fall. Uh, we just got our five hundred one three C. You know, and people are getting insurance policies uh, that they, they will go to the foundation, and so we can build it up that way. And so my kids will come up with ways, and grandkids will come up with ways that we can raise money for the foundation, get people to buy in, and we want to impact urban ministry all over the world. Because a lot of times when you go to apply for a grant, the grant doesn't understand what you're doing. I know they don't understand what I'm doing. They say, we only support education. You know, why do you have sports? I say, because without sports, I can't get them in here for education. Sports is just a carrot to get them in. And so they don't really understand and they deny your request or they, they get, put restrictions on it, like 25% of your budget. And you're like, man, I don't even have a budget. <laughs> and just different things there. So that's our reason for doing that. But we're building this foundation. And, you know, so that their, their, their future life, well, you have the life that's true life. You know what I mean? That they'll be able to understand finances and have this heart of giving. That's the key to our family is in giving to others and spurring on, especially ministry in the urban context. 
You know, that's what we're looking at as our world becomes more and more urban. Uh, this is Pastor Joe Sutton of Isaiah 61, the radio ministry of Spirit of Lord Church. And I'm just talking to you a little day about, about, about us rich people. Uh, after the break, we'll sum it up and we'll keep going. Uh, stay tuned. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. If it was 1990, you'd be listening to your favorite radio station on a bulky boombox that burns through D batteries faster than you can say, you've got mail. Thankfully, it's the 21st century, and there are much better alternatives. For example, just ask Alexa to tune in. Alexa, play the Mission Minneapolis. Throw out that old beeper and get with the times. Listen to your favorite AM 980 The Mission Bible Teachers and Ministries with Alexa and Amazon Echo. Hands in the air, make a little noise in the stands if you're there. Brag on the guy, man, if you're there, only if you're there. That'll be sweet. But what if when you brag, it wasn't about the clothes with the tags? That'll be sweet. And what if when you hey, welcome brag, back to Isaiah 61. For a little bass in the day. Heard them talking like they had man. Somebody got him gassed up on that act tank. So as we as we continue with our message today, I probably sit here and listen to that music all day long. It's, it's, it's so crazy. My kids ask me a lot of times. They go like, "Dad, what do you know about hip hop?" I say, "Man, I was born when hip hop. I was. I, I say when hip hop started, I was already here. I said 1973, 77, as it was going. I said, you know, it was like listening to it underground, and and then I was a DJ, so I, I was playing it all the time." You know, getting songs out of New York, you know, New Jersey, and everybody going there. And uh, before it became this national thing, you know, I'd say. So then he started looking at me like I said, but then back then they didn't cuss in hip hop. I mean, it's just it. Was, <laughs> I said, he said they didn't. I said no, man. When it first came, said, you know, I said, how they make their money then? I said, well, that's just it. Everybody made their money because nobody did it. You know what I mean? And then it just started getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, I said, then it was like, okay, we're out of here. You know. Uh, and so the thing about it is, is that when I, you know, see a lot of those guys that were artists back then and, and they're, they're broke today, they're broke. You know what I mean? And, and it's and then to me, that's the difference between riches and wealth is that can you carry this thing for three or four generations? You know, when, when you're gone, you're not here to influence nobody. Will they still follow the plan and build upon the foundation that you built upon? You know, I, I remember my next door neighbor. Uh, gifted musician, man, and, and he had a band, and and uh, and he played for everybody, you know. And back then, I had a real high voice, so I was always in, I was always in groups, and and I'm not gonna lie, I hated my high voice, man. I hated my high voice, man. I started drinking uh, wine and rum and gargling with rum, trying to ruin my vocal cords, so I couldn't. Because <laughs> here I am, a, I'm I'm like five ten, 180 pounds with a high voice, man, that just didn't, that wasn't cutting it in the hood. 
I, if I didn't have a reputation for being a good fighter, I just would have got picked on all the time. You know, what I, mean? I just like I said, I couldn't, I couldn't go down that route. You know, but these, this guy was such a gifted musician. I mean, he played background for the Shy Lights and other good people like that, and they'd be over there practicing. So I could see them practicing up the street with Johnny Taylor and and a lot of people because in our neighborhood, you know, black people with money stayed there. And then when divorces came through, it just seemed like boom, it was over. Kids start getting high and, you know, running the streets, game banging because the daddies were all gone. The daddies was running, chasing women and, and it was anarchy. So you weren't going to have wealth be passed in that because, you know, you see it now when somebody dies, you know, their kids take the house, but they, you know, the house gets run down. You know, they don't make enough money to repair it. You know, they don't understand that there's living there. And it's, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a bad thing. And if you don't prepare your children and your grandchildren to accept the gift that you have. Usually by the time you pass, it's, it's the grandchildren that are there. You know, you you know, my mom's still living. She's 84. Uh, my dad's gone. Uh, you know, my mother-in-law's still living. My father-in-law passed away. But, you know, when you leave your treasure to them, will they know what to do with it? Will they know what to do with it? Or will they just spend it on things, the things of this world, and just accumulate things of this world? Or will they get out there and perform good deeds and impact the world for Christ through their resources. You know, I tell my children that, that that our goal, our role is to be that big check writer for the church that we're in, right? You know, for that urban church that we're in and to be that big check writer for that nonprofit that's out there trying to make an impact that's looking for, they, they may not be as fancy and fundraising as some people because they don't have time because they're doing two, three roles. We, they should know that. They grew up with that. They grew up with that with me, watching me struggle and raise funds and, and uh, you know, and just sac- self-sacrifice to make the thing go. But it's not a sacrifice. I'm just being obedient to God and trying to build this foundation, you know, because in my personal family, you know, I want them to be wealthy. And the best way to be wealthy is by giving unto the Lord. I say because whether or not you 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 have a monetary treasure to leave behind, when you pass away through life insurance or savings or investments, the thing that the best thing you can leave behind is a righteous life. Cause Psalm 37 says this, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging for bread. So it doesn't matter how many hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars you leave your children. What matters the most is, is that you leave behind a righteous life because as you leave behind a righteous life, you know that they'll never be forsaken nor will they ever have to beg for bread, right? It doesn't say those who go to church are never forsaken. They don't have to beg, beg for bread or, or those who memorize scripture or those who love the Lord. It just says that the seed of the righteous, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. I mean, so a lot of times the favor that we have in our life to go out here to, to make money and to make wealth is not necessarily by our own ingenuity, our education, you know, I mean, or our positioning is simply because our parents were righteous. And so I encourage you today to get into the word of God, to be in right standing with God. You don't know what it means to be right with God unless you know what God says we have to do to be right. And once you get to looking at what God wants from us to be right and what it means to stand right standing with him, then you build a basis of knowing that word. When you know the word and the promises of God's word, then you know how to come to God and you know what to expect from God. You don't want to leave your riches sitting up there in heaven. 
Because God wants, it, it says in his word, I will open up the windows of heaven for you if you do certain things, right? You know, that, that, that cuss word in most churches called tithe and offering. You know what I mean? We, we get upset over that. You know what I mean? Whether, you, whether you're a New Testament giver who gives all, you know what I mean? I ain't met too many of them. You know, or whether you're another one that gives a portion, you know, you know, I met a lot of them. It doesn't matter. Just be obedient to his word and what his word says. And as you're obedient to his word and what his word says, it lays a foundation, a strong foundation in your family and a strong foundation in you personally, because you know what you're supposed to expect from God. So when, a, when something comes into your life or a blessing comes into your life, you know whether it's for you or whether it's for the kingdom, right? I always ask myself that question. God, is this for me or is this for the kingdom, right? Is this for somebody out there other than me? God is using me as a conduit to get the money to someone else. You know, so understand this basic, simple principle. Word first, riches second. You get into the word first. That way you know the riches that are coming to you are coming from God and not from the God of this world. Get into the word first. Don't be worried about how much money you can make. Ask him begging for all kind of money and jobs and cars. Ask him beg for a clear understanding of his word. And as you get that, I think that scripture says, seek ye first. The kingdom of heaven and all its righteousness and all these things will come unto you. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord.